Well, today we're continuing our series, Prayer and Listening. And in this series, we're learning better how to communicate with God. That's really what prayer is all about, communicating with God. And today we're going to talk about being real in prayer. The opposite of not being real is, is the opposite of being real is not being honest with God and trying to hide from God even in our prayers. Hiding from God began in the Garden of Eden. Now, Adam and Eve were created. They walked with God. They talked with God. A beautiful garden paradise. And then what happened? Genesis 3.8. You can follow along in your outline in the middle of your bulletin. It has a white page there. And it has the outline as well as study questions on the back. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid. They didn't hide before, but they hid now. Why did they hide? Well, because they had sinned. They felt guilty. They were hiding from the presence of God. And people try to hide from God today in a number of ways. Some people try to hide from God by not going to church. It's tempting to hide from God. Other people hide from God. They don't want to get involved in small group Bible studies because they're going to be exposed to God more there or or pray or something. Others try to hide by not praying very often. Still others, they pray, but they're not honest with God in their prayers. Why do people try to hide from God? Well, the root issue, as we already said, is, is, is sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin makes us want to hide from Him. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord would not listen, would not have listened. And so sin breaks our relationship with God uh, from both sides. From our side, we want to hide, we want to stay away from God and God not listening to our prayers. We don't want to face Him. Not only does sin separate us from God, but sin brings the consequences of, of itself on us in the form of God's judgment. Deuteronomy 31, verse 16, And the Lord said to Moses, talking about the people of Israel, He said, These people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant I made with them. And in that day I will become angry with them and forsake them. I will hide my face from them and they will be destroyed. Many disasters and calamities will come on them. And in that day they will ask, Have not these disasters come on us because our God is not with us? Now we're going to, as we go on with the message today, focus on Israel's sin and God's judgment upon it and how they responded. And so... Thinking about ourselves, how should we pray when God seems distant from us? How should we pray if we're facing God's judgment in our lives? How should we pray when God doesn't seem to answer our prayers? When it seems like God is not even listening? Now, The first thing we should do is, of course, repent of any sin that we know is in our lives. Asking God to forgive us. And yet, Repentance doesn't immediately bring an end to the consequences of our sin. Our sin may be things that we've done knowingly or even things we've done unknowingly. You know, in today's culture where people don't really know what the Bible says, many people unknowingly sin. They don't know 
what they're doing is wrong because they don't know what God's Word teaches. But whatever you're going through in life, if God seems distant this morning, God wants you to be real. He wants you to be honest with Him. He wants you to come back to Him. Not hiding anything, not covering anything up. Of course, can we hide anything from God? Not really. He sees all anyway. So today we're going to look at Psalm chapter 74. The book of Psalms is a treasury of 150 chapters of prayers. Why are they there? They're there to teach us how to pray, how to reconnect with God in many different seasons of life. Psalm 74 was written after the Babylonian invasion of Judah in 586 B.C. In this invasion of the Babylonian army, the temple that Solomon had built, the temple of God, was completely destroyed. Many of the Jews were killed in the invasion, and yet others were carried away into exile in Babylon. And those in exile wrote this psalm. Now, why did this tragedy happen? Why did the Babylonians invade Israel, destroying the temple? Well, we've already read the reason. It was found in Deuteronomy chapter 31. The people of Judah had sinned. They began worshiping idols, not the one true God. They broke the covenant with God that they had made with him. And so we're going to look at this psalm, Psalm 74, to answer the question, how can we pray and be real with God? even when he seems distant, even when it seems like he's not speaking to us. First of all, we need to be honest with God. The psalmist begins in verse 1 with some questions. He says, Oh God, why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? And so this psalm, a prayer, begins with, the psalmist in exile in Babylon, asking God questions. He understands why God's judgment has come on Judah. He understood why God's judgment had come because of their sin. And yet he begins by asking, why does this judgment seem to go on forever? Why does there seem to be no end to it? When is it going to stop? Why is God still angry? We're trying to follow you now, but it seems like you're, you're distant. Your anger is still against us. And so the psalmist is being honest. He's being real in the questions of his heart. He knows that God sees his thoughts, but he opens up to God in prayer. And he reminds God of their relationship. He continues in verse 2, Remember the nation you purchased long ago, the people of your inheritance whom you redeemed, Mount Zion, where you dwelt. And so the psalmist looks back back on the relationship that God's people had in the past. God had redeemed Israel from slavery in Egypt. He brought them into the promised land, and yet things had gone badly after that. God's people were in his inheritance. He had dwelt among them. In fact, God's presence was in the Holy of Holies in the temple. And now the entire temple was destroyed. He describes what's happened. Verse 3 and 7, Turn your steps, he continues to pray, towards these everlasting ruins. 
all this destruction the enemy has brought on the sanctuary. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They defiled the dwelling place of your name. So the psalmist calls on God, look at these ruins that are here, the ruins of the sanctuary. The Babylonian army had completely destroyed the temple. They had purposely defiled the place where God's presence, his Shekinah glory had dwelt. No one could enter the Holy of Holies without being struck except the priest on one day of the year because God's presence was there in such power. Now in the verses we didn't read here, the psalmist describes what happened when the invading army came and with their axes went into the temple and chopped down and destroyed everything before they raised the entire building. He spoke of God's silence, verse 9 and 10. We are given no signs from God. No prophets are left. None of us knows how long this will be. How long will the enemy mock you, God? Will the foe revile your name forever? So the psalmist then moves from the past back to the present. God seems distant. There are no supernatural signs that he can see. There are no miracles being performed. There are no prophets with the word of the Lord to give instruction what to do, which way to go. Nobody seems to know how long God's judgment is going to last. And so this question ends with some more honest, heartfelt questions. How long will the enemy mock you, God? How long is this going to go on? Will they revile your name forever and ever? Now, how can we apply this prayer to our life today? First of all, we need to understand that God put this psalm in the Bible not just to tell us what somebody prayed thousands of years ago. It is what somebody prayed thousands of years ago, but it's in the Bible for more than a historical record. It's, it's there to teach us how to pray today, how to pray in 2017 when we're going through a similar experience. Not, not similar in the sense that the temple has been destroyed, but similar in the sense that we feel distant from God. We feel like our world has been upended. Something terrible may have happened in our lives. If you're like me, there have been times in your life when God has seemed distant. Times when it seemed you couldn't hear God speak. You pray and you couldn't hear anything in response. Times when you knew you were suffering for your own sin and times when you had no idea why you were suffering. But whatever your situation is today or whatever it may be in the future, just talk to God about it. Don't hide from God. Don't be silent. Don't stop praying. But tell God how you're feeling. Be honest with Him. Tell Him what's going on. Say, why should I tell God? He knows everything anyhow. Well, God knew everything the psalmist had gone through as well. But there's something about opening up your heart to God and expressing what's there that builds that relationship with God. He wants you to talk to Him about what you're going through. He wants you to remember, if your relationship with Him is distant today, what it was like in the past. He wants you to tell Him, I want to get it back. I don't like the way it is. I don't want to hide from you. I don't want to be distant from you. Tell God you want him to speak to you again. If you can't seem to hear him, say, God, whatever it takes, I want to hear your voice again. Your word says that your sheep hear your voice and follow you. I, I want to hear you speaking to me. Be real with God in your prayers. 
And then remember God's power. Verse 12. Psalmist changes gears. He says, but God is my king from long ago. He brings salvation to the earth. And so even though he'd just been talking about how long the enemy was going to revile, how long the enemy was going to mock, he says, but no matter what is coming against me, God is still my king. Even though disaster has struck, God is king from long ago. And nothing has removed God from being king. He is still king of kings. He's still God, Lord of lords. He's still the God who can save and deliver. There is no God like him. He continues by retelling God's past miracles. It says, it was you, speaking of God, who split open the sea by your power. You broke the heads of the monster in the waters. The next verses in this prayer retell God's past miracle as he delivered Israel from the Egyptians. You remember this story. Israel had come against the Red Sea. The Egyptian army was in full pursuit, and they had nowhere to turn. The army was behind them. The sea was in front of them. Moses prayed, and the sea split in front of them. The Israelites crossed over on dry ground. The Egyptian army rushed in after them, and as they, the army got in the middle of the sea, the walls of water came crashing down, and all of the Egyptian army was drowned. In essence, in poetic language, the, the heads of the monsters were broken in the waters. Why remember God's past miracles? Because what he did in the past, he can do again. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Not only did the psalmist retell God's past miracles, he worshiped God as creator. Verse 16, he says, The day is yours, and yours also the night. You established the sun and moon. It was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. You know, sometimes people tell me, you know, things are so bad, Pastor Dan, I can't think of anything to praise God for. I mean, there's nothing going good in my life right now. Well, one thing you can praise God for, no matter how dismal things may be, no matter how distant God may seem, even though he doesn't seem to be answering your prayers, he still is creator. He created everything. He created this earth. He created this universe. He created you. He created me. He created the sun, the moon, the stars. And we could go on and on. The seasons, the day, the night. We can praise and worship God for being creator. It didn't just happen. God did it. And so the psalmist now, in this second part, in the first part of the prayer, he's talking about all the difficult situation that had happened to Israel and himself in the past, in the present distress. And in the second section of the prayer, the psalmist then begins to turn his gaze from the problem, which seemed unsolvable, to a God who rules and reigns from heaven, to a God who is the only solution. And he begins to remind himself that God is still king. No matter what has happened, God is still on the throne. He begins to remind God and himself that God's power has been revealed in past miracles, in the creation, and nothing has changed. And we too 
When we're going through difficult times, we need to take our eyes off the impossibility in our eyes of the situation and put them on God. Turn our eyes to God. We can remember the miracles of God in creation. We can remember the miracles that God performed on the pages of the, in the pages of Scripture. We can remember how he delivered Israel from the Egyptian army. And miracle after miracle through Scripture, we can remember what God has done in the past. We can remember God's miracles in our own lives, miracles that he's done for other people in our church family. And as we pray about God's greatness, about God's power, Are we really reminding God? We're really reminding ourselves, aren't we? And as we remind ourselves in prayer, our faith begins to grow. Our faith begins to be built up. And we'll begin to realize that no situation is hopeless. That our situation is not hopeless. Why? Because God is still king. God is still on the throne. With God, all things are possible. With God, nothing is impossible. And God begins to breathe faith. He begins to breathe hope into our hearts. And as that faith grows, we can pray and call on God to act. Verse 20. The psalmist prays, Have regard... Uh, sorry. Remember how the enemy has mocked you, Lord. How foolish... People have reviled your name. Do not hand over the life of your dove to wild beasts. Do not forget the lives of your afflicted people forever. And so in this final section of the prayer, the psalmist calls on God to act. When ungodly people persecute believers or persecuted Israel, they were also mocking God himself. They were reviling his name. It says, the enemy has mocked you, Lord. And the psalmist reminds God that his people are like fragile doves about to be devoured by wild beasts. And so we ask God, don't forget your afflicted people who are under your judgment. The psalmist is laying out an argument in prayer for God's intervention. It's based on what he knows about God from his word. Remember. Calls on God to act. He reminds God of his promises. Verse 20 Have regard for your covenant, because haunts of violence fill the dark places of the land. Do not let the oppressed retreat in disgrace. May the poor and needy praise your name. And so the psalmist reminds God of his past promise, the covenant that he's made with Israel, to give Israel the land of Canaan, but now the land is filled with violence, it's filled with dark places. The poor and needy are oppressed, they're in disgrace, and yet the psalmist looks for a brighter future. He looks for a time, and he prays, may the poor and needy praise your name once again as you act, God. And finally, he asks God to bring this deliverance. Verse 22, rise up, O God, and defend your name. Remember how fools mock you all day long. Do not ignore the clamor of your adversaries, the uproar of your enemies, which rises continually. And so in conclusion, the psalmist calls on God to rise up, to defend God's cause. Now notice that throughout this prayer, this, the psalmist is appealing to God based on God's character 
and God's interest in bringing glory to himself. The psalmist says that that fools mock you all day long. Now, they were actually mocking the psalmist in the exiles. They were mocking them. What, what has your God done? Look, we've conquered you. We've destroyed your temple. Your, your God is nothing. They were mocking the exiles, but they were really mocking God himself. The uh, psalmist was identifying himself with God. He was asking God to ignore not his enemies, but God's enemies. The uproar of your enemies rises continually. He was calling on God to act for the glory of God's own name. And so the psalm here, Psalm 74, the prayer concludes with the psalmist calling on God to take action, calling on God to bring deliverance to his people. And so we too must call on God to act on in our situations, when we're going through difficult times, and we ask God to act based on what we know about him, what's been revealed in his word, what we know to be true about his character, what we know to be true about his promises, what we know to be true about how he's acted in the past. And so we identify ourselves as our prayers are not just to be about me and myself. We identify ourselves as part of God's people, part of God's church. We call for God to act on his behalf, for his glory. We pray according to God's will. For example, perhaps you've been struggling with a health issue. Could be one kind or another. And you asked, you want to ask God to heal you. It's bothering you. It's painful. It's not a good thing. You want it out of your life. And that's okay. But how much better? To use the promises from God's word to build your faith. God, you healed. I saw how Jesus healed in the Gospels, those that came to him. And begin to build your faith as you read, as you pray back to God what he's done in the past. And then ask God to heal you, not just to eliminate your pain, but so you can serve him better, so that you can give him glory so that you can lead others to him. And so our prayers become for God, for God's cause, not just for ourselves. And when our prayers are first and foremost about God's glory, not just for ourselves, we're going to see many more prayers answered. Now in Psalm 74, the answer to the psalmist's prayer is not recorded in that psalm, but we know from the rest of the scripture that God answered the prayer and the exile's began to return to their land 70 years after the exile began, and they were restored to their land according to God's promise. And so God calls on each one of us today not to hide from him, but to be real and honest with God in prayer. Tell God what's going on. Yes, we know he already knows, but he wants to hear it from you. He wants to hear what is your concerns. He wants you to tell him honestly how you feel about the situation, how you feel about what's going on. And as you pray, don't stop there. Sometimes our prayers just stop. God, this is a miserable situation, and we don't want to stop there. We want to remember God's power. We want to remember his past miracles. We want to worship him 
Even in the midst of a desperate situation, worship Him as Creator. For those of us who are believers, we worship Him as our Savior, no matter how difficult things are going on. We thank Him for Jesus who came die on the cross to redeem us. And finally, we call on God to act in our situation. Not just for us, but for His glory. To fulfill His promise. To carry out His purpose in our lives. And as we learn to pray from God's Word, and this is just one psalm out of 150 that we can learn from, our prayers will become more powerful. They'll become more effective. And we'll see more and more wonderful answers. Now, this psalmist had a relationship with God. Oh, we need to have a relationship with God in order to have eternal life, in order to have our prayers answered. To have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to do three things. A, you need to admit that you've sinned and ask God to forgive you. B, you need to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross took your sins upon himself, paid the price that you could be forgiven. Invite him into your life. And see, you commit your life to following him as your Lord and Savior. You commit yourself to doing whatever he tells you to do. So we're going to bow our heads right now. And if you've never prayed a prayer like that before, or perhaps you feel like you've wandered from God, just ask that you recommit your life by praying this prayer this morning in your own heart. Say something like this, Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've been living life the way I wanted to and not following your direction. I've done wrong things that I know were wrong. And I ask for you to forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. And he rose from the dead three days later. And I commit myself to following him as my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. And for those of us who are already believers, let's, let's pray as well. Father, today we thank you for your word, for all of it, from Genesis to Revelation. And today we thank you for the book of Psalms, specifically Psalm 74. Forgive us, God, for not, for not learning how to pray from your word. Forgive us for ignoring all the lessons that you want to teach us about how to pray. And help us to begin to utilize some of the principles of this prayer of Psalm 74. May we, be, may we be honest and real in our prayers. Not hiding anything from you or pretending to hide. May we share with you what's on our hearts, even though it may be painful. Knowing that you love us, that you care about us. And help us to move our eyes from the difficult situation and move them up, up on you, God, to look at you, to look at your power, to understand that you still are on the throne, that you still reign. May we remember the past things that you've done in Scripture, in our lives, in the creation of the very world itself, and then help us to call on you in faith to act in our situation. If you did it before, God, you can do it again. May we pray according to your promises. May we pray according to and for your glory. We are your people, God, and our enemies are your enemies, and we pray that your enemies would be defeated and that your people 
delivered from the enemy's power in each and every way. And God, we promise to praise and thank you for your answers to our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.